Welcome, welcome, all those who are listening. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am the executive director, editor in chief. Um, Big Cheese, El Jefe. Um, Laying on thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. President for life, uh, or mayor for life, in honor of uh, Marion Barry. Let's have a moment Ooh. of silence for mayor of life, mayor for life, Marion Barry. I'm down with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my name is Mike Lunsford. Again, I am the editor in chief of GGR, which is uh, the Great Geek Refuge. Give you the web address that we all love so very much. That is greatgeekrefuge.squarespace.com. Lots of great articles. Now we got great podcasts, too. Absolutely. To my left today, this is Vic Azim. Vic is one of our new writers, but Vic is just also an accomplished writer in his own. He's got two books that he has recently, or he's published in the last couple of years. Available on Amazon. Yeah. Buy my books, please. Search Vic Azim. That is V-I-K-A-Z-E-E-M. Remember, I have kids to be. Bye. Kids. Yeah, come on. If you count your roommates as kids. Well, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, either way, <laughs> put money in my pockets, please. I gotcha. You know, Same we, talk, we, we talked about, um, about writing. You're a writer. I'm a writer too. Um, absolutely. We're going to talk about books a little bit here. Um, yeah. what I, I mean, we, we love, we love reading. God, I love reading. Um, I, but I get kicks too. I don't know if you're like this, where when you're writing, you're in a zone and you just you want to write everything you can as much as you possibly can because it's just coming out and you just got to get it out. All the, all the famous writers, like Stevenson, for example, said yeah. that, if you're a writer, you have to read all the time. Yeah. But I can see where writing and reading sometimes are a distraction to each other. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes if you're reading, you feel like you should be spending that time writing. Yeah. But you know, vice versa too. Like you need sometimes you need like when I when I have a lot of ideas I need to get out, I have to write them down. Absolutely. If I don't, I'm gonna lose them. But then on the flip side too, you need input. You need yes. as a writer, you need to know the world around you. You need to have other ideas. You need to have new ideas, fresh ideas, different ways of seeing the same thing. So movies. Books, especially. They motivate like, you too. Like yeah. a good book or a good movie, like puts you in the right mindset to, oh, yeah. you know, turn your laptop on and start writing. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and to that end, let's talk about, uh, what our topic for our first segment today is going to be. Uh, we're going to talk about movies, uh, that came from books that are either better than the book or vice versa. The book is better than the movie. And then kind of what our, our preferences are on this one. Yeah. Now, most common, I think the overall, uh, preconceived notion that people have is that normally the book is always better than the movie. Yeah. Which I'm going to say probably, I'm going to say about seven out of ten times is, is probably you know, true. There's a, there's a couple of examples where that, that is, that is absolutely true, but then there's also a couple of examples where the, the inverse is true. Um, a, a really good example for me is Fight Club. Okay. Fight Club, the book, is amazing. It's one of the best books I've ever read. Um, but Chuck Palahniuk, the guy who wrote, even admits that the movie superior, not superior, but it takes it to another level that he didn't even see, that he didn't okay. think about, and he was just like, "Wow, I didn't even see that coming." And that David Fincher did such a good job directing this that I, I was blown away. So he said that it took it to a whole new another level. So it's really not so much that. That was my son. He was here today too. He has to go to the bathroom. Go ahead, buddy. Go go potty. <laughs> uh, we're recording at my old apartment here. He's hanging out with us today. Um, so we're in close quarters, uh, so don't mind him. But uh, talking back, <laughs> going back to Fight Club. Um, yeah, the book was great. The movie was great, but they both had the same basic story. But there were variances that the book went um, in much more detail, which is normally why people like the book more than the movie. A lot is about the director. The director can have the book and then take the screenplay. If he wants, he can take the movie in a whole different direction for the book. Sometimes the director will actually just go word for word from the book and just try to do exact replica of the book. But you have a very creative director like David Fincher. He's going to do his own thing. He's going to put his own stamp on it. 
Um, speaking of that, I would say the counter that since we're talking about David Fincher, I just saw yeah. a movie called Gone Girl, which oh, yeah, yeah. I actually read the book right before watching the movie. So it's yeah. a good case study. David Fincher, so we know yeah. he's a creative director, so he wants to put his own stamp on it. Now, yeah. he did that with Gone Girl, but in my opinion, the book was actually better. Was it really? The book is a, a straight mystery. Yeah. Um, the whole idea of the book works as long as, for people who know the movie, Ben Affleck plays the character, and as long as you don't know if Ben Affleck's character did it, did the crime or not, you know, the movie stays suspenseful, stays mysterious, or the book does at least. The movie, though, actually, Kind of kills the mystery early on. They I want to give it pretty spoiler. obvious that he wasn't the one who. There's a couple scenes there early on which are kind of misfires yeah. where it takes all the mystery out of it and now it's yeah. like we know he. I don't want to give it away, but yeah, but the book did a better job of that. So that was an example where the director putting his own stamp on it, not yeah. not following the book, but actually uh, made it for the worse by putting his own stamp on it. Whereas the final yeah. his stamp was a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and another really good example, and we talk about it a lot um, on the website, on the creativeyourrefuge.squarespace.com, uh, shameless plug. Shameless plug. Um, we, we talk about comic books a lot. Absolutely. Uh, somebody was telling me the other day they really, really, really liked um, Kick-Ass, the movie. Okay. And they were like, oh, it was so great, it was so great, it was so great. And I was like, really? Because I hadn't seen the movie, but I'd read the comic books. Uh. And they were like, I was like, you like the ending? And they were like, oh, no, the ending was great. The, I can't go into great detail because of what happens in the ending because it's pretty graphic um, in the comic book. But basically, like this kid, like have you seen Kickass? Like you know, I've not. No. Okay. So the basic principle is this kid dresses up as a superhero and like goes on YouTube and like films it, and he has no superpowers or anything like that. Right? Okay. But like becomes a superhero through MySpace. Like and people are asking for help <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Okay. And he falls in love with this girl, but the girl thinks he's gay. Oh. So she be- he becomes like her, you know, quote unquote gal pal, right? So he's like, oh, he's gay, he's harmless, ha ha ha. He professes his love to her, right? In the movie, she's just like, oh my god, that's so great, I love you, let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. Right. In the comic book, it's so polar opposite. In the comic book, she's just like, I can't believe you lied to me. She has her boyfriend punch him in the stomach and then send a picture to him. It's more realistic. To the hero, send a picture to the hero of her performing a very certain act on said boyfriend, which we cannot discuss here. So the comic book, you got a raw, true story. Oh yeah, you got a Hollywood eyes. Exactly. Yeah, and like I want to say in the in, in the movie, and I was just reading through like on the Wikipedia page about it. That in the movie, he actually develops superpowers. Like he's like super tall. He has like a super tolerance for pain or something like that. So Hollywood takes a lot of liberties a lot of times. And I mean, yeah. I'll still see the movie maybe, but I was never really interested in the first place because the comic book I thought was just marginal, marginally interesting. So I think there's a lot of examples. There was a. Did you see the Watchmen movie? Yeah, that was like scene for scene, panel for panel, almost exactly like the comic book. So did, did you feel like it worked though as a movie? It was one of those things where people had been clamoring it for so for so long that you had to do it exactly that way, or people would have lost their minds. Okay. Um, I felt it was. I wanted. Some some changes. I wanted some updates. I wanted some modernization to it. Like all the musical choices were so obvious. It was like Forrest Gump. Okay. You know how Forrest <laughs> Gump's got a really really good sound soundtrack. Yeah. But like every song that they chose is just like so stereotypical of that time. That yeah. It was yeah. It was like that. It was it was good, but it wasn't like spectacular. And I've always been of the belief though that Watchmen is the comic book that people who don't really like comic books right. tell everybody that's their favorite comic book. Like, wow. to, to automatically gain credibility, if you're not really into comic books, it's the way to shut up any comic book. Well, my favorite's Watchmen. It's just like, no, no, you, no, it's not. Right. I, 
I thought it was okay. Everybody's like, oh, it changed the stat. Honestly, I like, I love Alan Moore. You know what I love more than Alan Moore did? Uh, the Killing Joke. The ba- Batman The Killing Joke. Okay. Which is the basis of what Heath Ledger, when he was portraying uh, the Joker in The Dark Knight, they say that that's where he got that from. Okay. Um, I mean, and it's the best. If you ever get a chance to go out there and pick it up, it is the best Batman story that I've, one of the best ones I've ever read. Um, basic premise on that one is the Joker kidnaps Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. Okay. And, like, essentially tortures her. And it's all like a experiment to show that he can make Commissioner Gordon go insane because of one bad day. Wow. So he captures Gordon, has Gordon there, and then shows Gordon pictures of him defiling Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, okay, and then like crippling her. Because from this point out, she becomes uh, Oracle, who's crippled from the waist down. Wow. Like her legs don't work because of what the Joker did to her. So like it's it's pretty raw and like that out, that yeah it's a really 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 good Batman book and you actually see for the first time the relationship I mean you see it you've seen it before but you understand a little bit more about the relationship between the uh, bat, between Batman and the Joker so Cross, star-crossed lovers maybe both in the Batman <laughs> one thing that we're talking about this one thing we have to bring up is that you know I think both of us are fans of Stephen King and yeah oh, a lot God, of yes. his books have made the movies. Favorite favorite writer by far. I don't know if you've heard, but the, the one movie that he hates, the one adaptation that he didn't like at all was The Shining. Yes, yeah, I was reading that the other day actually. And yeah, because that's that's that was another example yeah. where Stanley Kubrick, who is a very creative artsy director, mm-hmm. took that in a different direction. Yeah, Stephen King hates the, the movie versions, but yeah. that's also the the movie versions considered a classic. The movie versions are great. Like I've yeah. actually that's one of the few Stephen King books that I haven't read. Because I saw the movie first, and I was like, "There's really no need to read it." But in, in, as time goes on, I think I need to read it there because I heard that it's so much different. Yeah, I think I, I want to say that Stephen King said that basically the um, the movie takes the I think the supernatural element out of it, and in the book there is more of a supernatural. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I've I've, I've read that again. I, I when I have time at our work, um, and I can't believe I'm gonna this, and we're not <laughs> busy. Um, I am a, I'm all over Wikipedia. Like, I read about movies and books that I haven't read all the way through, oh, yeah. and, like, yeah, it just inspires me when I read the movies more, so, but, like, um, yeah, like, I, I love The Shining, um, the movie. I thought it was great. Um, I want to read the book now, but there was also a miniseries that they did on ABC back in the 90s that was, um, that Stephen King was much happier with, that right. it's a very realistic like, retelling of it. But interesting is Stephen King likes that, but the audience didn't did like, not like it at all. Yeah. Um, he, his favorite adaptation, I believe, is Misery. Misery's good. Misery's, Misery's real good. Misery's real good. But you know what though? He, um, I my personal favorite adaptation of his was um, Shawshank Redemption. A lot of people don't know that came from the Stephen King short story. Yeah, yeah, it's a collection of short stories. Um, the original short story was was it the longest? Rita, Rita, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank, Shawshank yeah. and the Shawshank Redemption. Um, and it came and I cannot remember the name of the collection. Um, what we'll do is we'll actually put it up on GGR when we put this podcast up. I'll give you guys some I, liner notes for this one. Basically. I had the collection. I know also in the collection yeah. was the basis story for The Running Man. Yes, yeah, because he so wrote The Running Man, too. That. He writes them under a pen name. And again, we'll, we'll put a link on here so yes. you guys can see all this stuff. But yeah, no, like I love The Shawshank Redemption uh, because it's like that ultimate story of I, I can't of redemption. Really, I can't praise Shawshank, though, because it's already like the most crazy of all time. Yeah. So it feels like yeah. it feels almost like if you go on IMDb.com, it's the highest rated movie of all time. Yeah. It's, um, it's such a good movie. Is it really? It is. It's a 9.5. It's on their IMDb top 250. It's a really good movie. Okay. It's good, but it's really considered one of the best movies of all time. So I can't yeah. praise that. Yeah. Um, I like Carrie. I thought Carrie was pretty good. Which which one, though? 
Um, the they've remade it a couple times. The remake actually wasn't terrible. It wasn't. And I hate remakes, so that's a yeah. lot. Uh, We're talking like the original Sissy Space Act. Yes. Where like they made fun of Sissy Space Act, you know, plug it up, carry away. Like that, yeah. They did I, a, I love that movie too. Like, that was fantastic. It's not funny, it really isn't, but like, that when they're throwing the, the tampons at <laughs> You watch it now, there's some comedic value there. Yeah. Um, the Stand miniseries. Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I that did. That is a, you can sit, that, if you have a, a full day yourself, man, yeah. get that, that's like the hour to watch, yeah. That's a good one to sit through. Yeah. Um, so let's see, what, what's the Stephen King do that was a good one? Um, um, oh, oh, let's talk about this real quick. Okay, yeah. Pet Cemetery. Ooh, I know you have a thing with Pet Cemetery. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So Pet Cemetery was the first book that I actually had to put away because I couldn't finish reading it. Because, wow. You get to the point where, um, For me, the sign up for me, that was, uh, Goosebumps. Oh. <laughs> uh, Night of the Living Dummy, part three. So. <laughs> don't, 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 don't turn off your lights and read that one. Like, jo- like yeah. Joey from Friends, you hide the book in your freezer. Lock so. your doors before you read that one. Put it in the freezer so it doesn't <laughs> do any more damage. Um, but when he gets to the part where he, where his, and spoiler alert if you haven't read it, so, you know, you turn this down for a second. When, he, when his kid dies. Right. When his son dies. And you see him, you see him digging up the body. I'm like, oh my god, he's taking him to the pet cemetery. And then like, it just goes into a really, really dark place. Actually, Stephen King said that that is his least favorite book. Oh. He hated where he went with that. And he disliked it so much. And not because, like, it was a bad book. Mm-hmm. Because it went to such a dark place. It's probably during his alcoholic days. Yeah, and he yeah. said it. He's like, I just didn't like it. it. I was really uncomfortable reading it. Yeah. I was really uncomfortable writing it. But it had to come out. He's like, my wife hates it. But I had to give the publisher something. He's like, and, and I, I had a contract, so I had to do it. And you know, it, you know, the fact that he says he was disturbed by it. Is even better, but I remember watching the movie too. Yeah, and like I have a little kid now, and like my little kid's precocious and, and adorable and does silly things. But like at the same time too, like that hits home when you see that movie because people laugh at it now because yeah. it's kind of silly when you see it, like the little kid like you know slicing open that dude. But like it was, I don't, it's a little disturbing. I I, I, I don't remember. I, I remember the I remember the sequel more because yeah. maybe the sequel played on television more than the first one did. That's true. Yeah, the did. sequel had. Uh, Friggin' John Connor from Terminator 2. Yeah, and it had uh, and Anthony uh, Anthony Edwards from ER. Was, yeah, was an and I remember yeah. that, like, you know, visually, it's, I remember the whole movie, but I don't remember yeah. the first one. I gotta go back and check that out. Yeah, the first one, like, there's the part at the end with the little kid, and he's, like, trying to kill his dad, and, like, the dad has to inject him, and, like, the kid, he, like, basically has to kill his own son. And, like, that's where Stephen King was saying, like, how twisted it was. And, like, mm. whew, just give me, I'm, I got goosebumps now, I was talking about it, but, like, it's a really good story, and Stephen King is an amazing writer. When, and, when he wants to be, he's really good. Oh yeah, and like I'm just I'm as you see I'm like gushing about him right now. He, uh, I, yeah, he said uh, in his I guess his memoir memoirs memoirs memoirs. Yes, I think uh, he said basically that at one time he was going through a, a very alcoholism centric stage. Yeah, and he wrote Cujo like in three days because he remember him writing and he was so drunk like yeah that yeah. he wrote it during like a drunken spell and like yeah like, that was just came out of nowhere. And yeah. I haven't seen the Kujo movie though. Have you seen the Kujo movie? Nah, yeah. Yeah. Was that good one? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the, Stephen King had a stretch there where everything he was putting out was gold. So like, even that one was pretty good. Um, but like, with, with all of his books, he even talks about like, I mean, and as writers, we can appreciate this. And then like, where he comes from. And like, yeah. and he was talking about like in The Shining where he talks about, um, where Jack Torrance comes from and like what he wants to do. Um, and like how he's had a history of alcoholism, he's had a history of child abuse, 
And he's like, it makes yeah. him, because I, I can relate to that. He's like, because, you know, I'm a, a young, young uh, father. And you see these kids and you're like, oh my god, are you ever going to get a better year? We're not talking. And again, I'm a father too. And like, I love my kid, but we all have those thoughts and never want to admit it. But like, that really, that really hits home when you think yes. about that. And anybody, even if you're not a fantasy the game. You gotta respect it might have put out that volume of material. Oh yeah, that book over the decade. He's got an insane amount Crazy. of so. insane amount of books that he's put out and uh, projects that he's worked on. Yeah. You know, one thing I'll talk about for a minute also. Um a lot of people don't know the original Godfather actually, um the movie came from a book. Um I think Mario Putzer, Putzer, Puyo, Puzo, I don't know, I'll have to research that. Look look up Godfather on Wikipedia, but the Godfather book was amazing actually. A lot of people haven't read that, but it had a lot of in-depth stories, but I think this is the, the Fight Club syndrome, as Mike had pointed out earlier, where the Godfather movies just went in a different direction. It focused, it actually eliminated a lot of backstory and focused more on a, a select group of characters, and because the acting was so good, the movies, you know, were all on a much higher level than the, the book is. So that's one example where I would say the movie definitely outclassed the book. Now, uh, the Harry Potter books, that's, um, that's one thing where I've seen the well, like I've seen the first Harry Potter movie. I've only watched probably, I read the first Harry Potter book, so I can't say for sure if the Harry Potter books. Maybe Mike can actually. I don't. I've what's never, your experience with Harry Potter? I've never read any of the Harry Potter books. Like I, I watched. The I read movies. the first one, and I liked the first one. I just never got into it beyond that. My little brother really got into them. I just, I, I was too. I was too old, really, at that point, to really be into them. It just didn't really make sense. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying the Harry Potter didn't make sense. It didn't really make sense for me to be reading essentially kids' books. Um, but I mean, they're, they're good. I mean, I like what they do. But, but people, not... people love the movie, though, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw one of them in an IMAX theater. It was the fourth one, um, Goblet of Fire. Oh, and it was a really, really, really good movie. And I was really, really impressed. But I just never really got into Harry Potter. And you were saying before uh, Harry Potter... Oh, I was about. talking about Godfather because a lot of people yeah. don't know that that was actually a book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mario a really good yeah. book with a lot more backstory. What the movie did well was it focused on just a select group of characters from the book, yeah. went to their story, and then really was the acting and the directing that made that stand out. Where the book is a classic, but the movie, again, is like... The movie just went to a whole other level. Whole yeah. level. So it's like yeah. a high club, like you said. Yeah. So there's a few cases, I think, like I so said, we can name way more examples where I think the book is better than the movie, but there's a few, yeah. few examples that we talked about where the yeah. movie does outpass the book. Yeah. Um, I'll say there's, there's a couple of them that are really good examples of... The movies improved the books, okay. and that would be um, Lord of the Rings. Like I, I, I think the Lord of the Rings books, you can read them, but I mean we're talking like like a fifteen hundred page hard to get investment for yeah. all three of those, um, and it's a lot to read. But it, I mean they're exciting, they're interesting, there's things going on there, and there's things in the books that aren't in the movies. But those movies were so well done and had such artistic integrity to them, and things they added that the books didn't have. That it really took them to a whole new level. But also in that same vein, I remember trying to read The Hobbit like four or five different times, like trying to be forced right. to read it in high school. I hated that book. It was so boring. And the movies were just as boring. I could not get through Would you guess that Lord of the Rings is a situation where a lot of people that have seen the movies have not read the book? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because so it's, it's one of those like, things you can watch it. The audience and you don't is not even like have just to. the hardcore book no. Lord of the Rings fans. I think a lot of them were, but I also think that like a lot of people you could see the movies, and mm -hmm. not have even touched the books. And there's nothing wrong. You're not missing anything by doing that, because you get the same story. Yeah. Especially with those, like, those, like, 18-hour compilation discs that they have where they have all the deleted scenes and special features. Okay. So, 
Uh, one thing I want to talk about, there's a movie called uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. You hear that? Sort of like no, a, I've never heard of that one. It's sort of like a teen drama with uh, Emma Watson. Yeah. And I don't talk about the book itself, but yeah. something that was interesting, which I think more should happen more often, is yeah. it was a, a very, very popular best-selling book. Yeah. But the author of the book actually wrote and directed the movie. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often where you have any translation from the book to movie, you have one person controlling the entire yeah. process. Mm-hmm. And because of that, yeah. the fans of the book had nothing bad to say about the movie because it was really? so honest and so... Yeah. It was the director's vision was the author's vision. One yeah. thing. It yeah. didn't happen as often as you would think. Oh, no, absolutely not. And, like, I, I can't even think of any situations like that. Oh, yeah, I can. Sin City. Okay. So, Frank Miller did Sin City, right? I mean, this is a graphic novel, so it's really not a book, but still, just roll with us on that one. So, Sin City was one of those ones that was so good as a comic book. We, we mentioned Watchmen yeah. earlier. That everybody wanted to see a movie. But everybody was scared that it wasn't going to be done right. And Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, their collaboration where they do things together, Absolutely. they collaborated with um, Frank Miller, where Frank Miller was actually overseeing the entire project. So good. And which is why Sin City, the first one, I haven't seen the second one yet, and I haven't heard good things about it, but that's why the first one is so good, because the guy who wrote it is sitting there helping them put it into the place. Yeah, that it's like, when you have somebody, when you have the author's vision, actually, he's able to put that into a movie. Yeah. There's no loss in translation, which happens yeah. in a lot of books in yeah. the movies. Um, Harry Potter, I know that uh, yeah. J.K. Rowling has a lot of control over the movies, a lot yeah. of influence in yeah. that. So it's, it's interesting. What about um, what do you think about um, situations where a movie's made and a book's made for the movie? For example, all the Star Wars fan fiction novels that oh, come out. Um, is, that good, <laughs> is that a good idea to? Um, I'm I'm too much of a Star Wars nerd to really. That was a good example. You don't have to make this that. Yeah. Idea, uh, I, I read all the stupid Star Wars, um, okay. like the, uh, the, what do they call it, extended universe books. So like, they, there's like a whole series of them that take place like after Return of the Jedi. Okay. And there's like, there's the three, and like we mentioned in the last podcast, uh, the Admiral Thrawn trilogy is what they call it. That was essentially like Star Wars 7, 8, and 9. And those mm-hmm. were pretty good. But then it starts getting into other places. It starts getting really, really convoluted. The stories get really, really kind of messed up. You start adding all these extra characters. And that's why when Disney bought the rights to Star Wars, they were just like, you know what, extended universe, we're cutting it right there. No more. It doesn't exist. None of it ever happened. Because was that actually, as a fan, did you consider that canon? Was that? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, well, you got to think, too, like, Star Wars fans are, are, are fanatical. So you wanted um, something. Though. And they wanted something. They wanted the story to continue with these characters that they love so much. So you read these things, and you were just like, well, this definitely happened. And But now new movies yeah. come out and contradict those books. Well, and that's, that's why Disney reset the whole thing. And they were like, we're not doing any of this extended universe stuff. And a perfect example is, is like, when, when I, one of the first articles we ever wrote on GTR was, uh, it's called Mulligan for the Phantom Menace. It's what we wrote when we were trying to fix the Star Wars prequels. Um, great article, by the way. Definitely check it out. Um, Shameless in the box. <laughs> we, um, we actually had posted that article on Reddit for people to read. And we were like, hey, right. what do you guys think? And all of these people went off on this tangent, and they were just like, well, actually, according to the animated series of The Clone Wars, this actually happened. And we were like, no, those don't count. And they were like, well, no, those are canon. And we're like, no, no, they're not. Shut up. Cartoons aren't canon. Just right. get out of my face. Like, and, and, and there may be somebody out there listening to me right now who's, like, grabbing their lightsaber in rage and frustration and banging it into their dashboard on their car because, oh, well, those are canon. I don't care. If it's on Cartoon Network, it's for kids. It's not meant to be canon, okay? So just stop. Darth, Vader, uh, Darth Maul did not come back from the dead. He does not have robot legs. Shut up. My rant is over. <laughs> I, I had my moment. Thank you. So, this is another topic that we want your feedback on. Let us know 
pretty much if we've missed any books that I'm working on. Oh, yeah, I got, I got one. I got one. Before we even start the what we missed, I absolutely positively love A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. It is one of my favorite books of all time. Wow. Uh, the entire compilation where it's like, it's probably like six books together, maybe like a thousand plus pages. Okay. Amazing. All about like space travel and all sorts of other stuff. It's one of the funniest books I've ever read in my life. They did a movie for it. Martin Freeman, the guy who plays um, Bilbo Baggins in the uh, in the Hobbit, is in there. He was in. Uh, he's been in a bunch of other movies too. But uh, Zoe Deschanel's in it. Um, uh, what's his name? Alan Rickman is the voice of uh, of um, Marvin the Robot, also known as Hans Gruber. Yes, Hans Gruber. Hans. Where are my detonators? <laughs> um, but also, um, who else is in that too? Uh, Sam Rockwell's in there too. It's a, it's a really right. good movie. But the problem was is that book was so expansive, you couldn't get everything into one movie. And sometimes. the movie didn't sell well. People really else. weren't interested. But also it ran into the other problem that Hollywood had a lot of problems with, too, is it had been too long since anybody had really heard of it. So, like, for instance, Get Smart. Remember when they made that Get Smart movie with um, with uh, The Rock and with um, Anne Hathaway. and Steve Carell? Yes. Yeah. Every, nobody really went and saw that movie because nobody really cared. Because anybody who was really a Get Smart fan grew up in like the 60s and 70s. Kind and of like, uh, yeah. they made an I Spy movie with uh, Eddie Murphy. And I think, it, yeah, Eddie Murphy, Owen Wilson. And I think the original one was like Bill Cosby. And it was just like, the movie bombed because nobody cares. I Spy didn't have the, the following. It's like they, if they yeah. made a world aware of all the movies, I, mean, I don't think that would actually do anything. Yeah, or like, or like Mighty Mouse. Like the subject matter so well. Like they did an underdog movie. Underdog was. People, the kids that watched that were like, were growing up in the 50s. Yeah. So now they're like in their 60s, 70s, and they don't care anymore. So it's just not going to be interesting. It's not, not there for it. At all. At all. Yeah. No, um, absolutely not. Quick note, I do want to ask you. Um, yeah. Uh, you're on a desert island. We have either five books or five movies. What do you think? Books. Okay. Because movies, it's two hours of your time. Yeah. It's two hours of your life, and that's it. Now, granted, you can rewatch it over and over and over and over again, but a book, like, you can reread, and you can catch things that you didn't catch before, but sure. it's a much more involved process. And I mean, it's more mental stimulation, too. Your imagination's going Exactly. Over, over, over. And if you're on a desert island, you're going to need imagination. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think, I think I would take an average movie over an average book, but I think a great book is always going to be superior to a great movie. Yeah. A great book to me is like, Beyond anything, well, it, so. and I and I love books, I'll but I love movies as well. Yeah, that's the thing. and there's something that that there's something that movies have that books don't have. It's it, it's it's the the feast for all senses. You know, it yes. feasts, you hear the soundtrack, you um you see the visuals. So I mean, if all of those things are done correctly, like you're, yeah, you're seeing somebody else's vision, which you can get a lot out of as an observer. Whereas a book, you're actually you know you're doing your own vision. But sometimes you'll, some certain stories, you want the vision put in place for you, something to give you a different perspective, and that's what the movie does. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Ideally, three, three movies and two books, or three, say three books. Yeah, I mean, have a movie that's nice, though, every now and then, but then, you know, sometimes you just want to watch something mindless, like just have fun with them or on, you know, like, so you can just laugh at stupid parts of it. Like, time movies, I'd yeah. say, like that. <laughs> but, uh, give yeah. us your feedback. Let us know, uh, if we miss anything there. I'm more, you're sending me the movies that are better than the book, like that's more of a yeah. rare read. So yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing too is like there's so many out there that we, I'm sure we've missed something. So let us know. Um, but you know, another great time, another great podcast we did here, Vic. Absolutely, uh, I'm I'm loving this. 
Look out for my new article on the top five cartoon shows of the 90s. I want your feedback on that also. So it's very hard dwindling that list down to only five because I have like 17 cartoons in my head that I love yeah. from the 90s. Uh, I got an article coming up here pretty soon too. I'm not going to reveal exactly what it is yet because um, it'll be a surprise. But uh, definitely look forward to that here real soon. But uh, uh, I'm Mike. Uh, this is Vic. Vic, um, thanks again, man. Thanks for coming out. I'm glad we did this. No doubt, man. Thanks right. later. GGR signing off. <laughs>